Hello everyone, I'm Paris Fox and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox, hosted by Richard Lummis. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. Richard Lummis is on assignment this week. Today I take things in a little bit different direction by talking about two topics of leadership. The first is communicating across cultural boundaries, and the second is asking questions to boost your leadership skills. I think you will find both of these topics very interesting and certainly very relevant to your leadership skills, whether you be a CFO, CEO, CCO, general counsel, or any other business leader. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for listening to this episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership. 12 O'Clock High is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Communicating across cultural boundaries. One of the most critical issues to a corporate compliance function is breaking through a company's internal cultural boundaries. Often, managers discover that perfectly rational deals fall apart when their business counterparts make unreasonable make what seem to be unreasonable demands or don't respect their commitments. However, as a cultural bridge, you can find that this will help you to understand what your international audience is communicating to you, both in verbal and nonverbal formats. During a wide variety of activities familiar to any compliance professional, such as training, investigations, or simply meetings, where the compliance perspective must be articulated in a business setting. Aaron Meyer, in an article, listed out five different steps for communicating a compliance program across multinational boundaries. Number one, adapt the way you express disagreement. Simply because you disagree with someone and does not a sign that the discussion is going poorly, but that is an invocation to engage in lively talk. The key is to listen for verbal clues, specifically what linguists call upgraders or downgraders. Upgraders are words to strengthen your disagreement, such as totally, completely, and absolutely. Downgraders are words such as partially, a little bit, and maybe, which soften the disagreement. Many companies, excuse me, many countries use a lot of upgrades with their disagreement. Try to understand the upgraders and downgraders within the cultural context of those with whom you are dealing. Two, know when to bottle it up and when to let it pour out. Some cultures have very demonstrative ways of speaking and gesturing. However, other cultures are not comfortable with such displays. You need to understand the key difference. So the second rule of international negotiations is to recognize what an emotional outpouring, whether yours or theirs, signifies in the culture with which you are negotiating, and adapt your reaction accordingly. Was it a bad side that Swedish negotiators sat calmly across the table and never entered to an open debate and showed little passion? Not at all. But if you encountered the same behavior while negotiating in Israel, it might be a sign that the deal was about to die an early death. Number three, learn how the other culture builds trust. Most Americans think that building trust in a business setting is gained by demonstrating your usefulness and competency in providing solid information. However, this type of approach is not always the most effective across the globe. There are two different approaches to building trust, cognitive and affective. In the cognitive approach, you gain trust uh, when you feel confidence in someone's accomplishment, skills, and reliability. In short, you show you know your stuff 
and the, for the compliance practitioner, there is usually not much of a higher compliment. This type of trust is more valued by Americans, Germans, Australians, and Brits. This is the trust that comes from the head, but there is a trust that comes from the heart, and that's the affective trust. But it's more than simply emotive. It derives from emotional closeness, empathy, or friendship. Uh, it means that you see, see another, one another on a personal level. This is particularly true in BRIC countries, Southeast Asia, and the like. Some techniques you can employ to build trust are to invest times in meals and drinks or tea, karaoke, golf, whatever it may be, and don't talk during these activities. Let your guard down and show your human side, including your weakness. Demonstrate general interest in the other party and make a friend. Be patient. In China, this type of bond may take a long time to build. You don't usually have a friend, but you will have a deal. Number four, avoid the yes or no questions. This is something Americans have an innate amount of trouble getting our collective heads around. Most generally, when we ask a direct question requiring a direct yes or no answer, we expect whatever the answer is, it will be adhered to going forward. In many other cultures, that may not always be correct. In some cultures, it is rude to tell someone you respect and have trust for no directly. While this may, be, may say yes, what they really mean is no. Conversely, even when the verbal response is simply strong or even a multiple no, it may simply mean the party needs more time to respond. This means you should try to adapt to avoid a simple yes or no response by opening more, asking more open-ended questions that elicit information which will help provide you with context for the next answer or indeed the next question. You should also watch body language and other single signals more closely. If something is affirmative, you may feel like a no, an extra beat of silence, a strong sucking of breath, or even a muttering. So be watchful and listen closely. Number five, be careful about putting it in writing. This may be, this last point may be the most difficult for the CCO and compliance practitioner, especially if you accept my mantra of document, document, document. In many cultures, even the follow-up to a conversation with something in writing may well seem like a slap in the face. The lack of trust or communicating that the listener did not comprehend what you were communicating. You may need to do an additional amount of explanation around your written compliance documentation. Do not be dogmatic about it, but emphasize the, written, the need for written materials in the appropriate situations. Communications and compliance must be largely drawn around trust. For any compliance practitioner, the key is to working with your employee base across the globe. Implicit in building trust is that you get out of the home office and travel to other locations. While you can build cognitive trust in demonstrating your usefulness to an overseas business unit from your home in America, you can never build affective trust sitting in the corporate office. Get out, about, and meet your employees and build a trust that will allow a successful 360 degree of communication. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, communications and compliance must be largely drawn around trust. And of course, this means getting out of the office, get out of that ivory tower. Number two, look for as many cultural bridges as you can find as it will help you to understand what the international audience is communicating to with you. If you are a compliance officer and you have FCPA, responsibilities, that by definition means you have an international organization. You need to understand what your employees outside the United States are communicating to you with all of the signals that we've talked about in this podcast. And number three, one of the most 
critical things that a compliance function must do is break through a company's internal cultural barriers. Now I'd like to turn to the technique of using questions to boost your leadership skills. I'm going to talk about this in the context of a compliance program, but it's pretty easy to see how by asking questions you can really build your leadership skills and boost yourself as well. Other than the skill of listening, asking questions is about as important to the compliance practitioner as any other skill that can be employed. Yet, ask equally critical is to ask the right question, which was explored by Brian Glazer and Charles Fishman in their book, From a Curious Mind, The Secret to a Bigger Life. Glazer is a well-known and successful Hollywood director who has directed such movies as Splash, A Beautiful Mind, and Cinderella Man. He believes that much of the success he has achieved is because he asks a lot of questions. Indeed, questions are a great management tool, he asserts. This is because asking questions elicits information, and it also creates the space for people to raise issues that they are worried about and that a boss, colleague, or other <clears throat> may not know about. By asking questions, you allow people to tell a different story than the one you're expecting. Finally, and perhaps most significantly, asking questions means people having to make their case for the way they want a decision to go. Getting employees to simply not talk, but rather tell you the truth about how they feel or what they may be thinking is a key for any leader. As a CCO, you may find this particularly difficult in far flung, the far-flung reaches of an international company, which is subject to the FCPA, the UK Bribery Act, or any other anti-bribery, anti-corruption law. Whether you are performing a risk assessment or simply getting out of the corporate home office, you need to be able to engage employees across the globe from a variety of culture, asking open-ended questions so you will not receive a simple yes-no feedback. Some questions, <clears throat> some key foundational questions include, what are you focused on? Why are you focused on that? What are you worried about? What is your plan? By asking these and other such questions, such as what are you hoping for, what are you expecting, and what's the most important part of this for you, a CCO can get much more engagement from people with whom you work. Consider the pursuit of a high-profit deal in a high-risk geographic area. You may want to sit down with a business unit person in charge and ask them, what is your plan to sign this contract, execute it, consistent with your obligations with the company's compliance program? In doing so, you are communicating two key concepts using a 360-degree approach of communications. First, you are making clear that there should be a plan in place. Second, you are making it clear the employee is in charge of the plan. Yet by asking the question, you are communicating that the employee has both the responsibility for the problem and the authority to come up with a solution. This type of approach allows those who do so desire to step up as it's a simply human quality or it's rather simple quality of human nature that people prefer to choose to do things rather than be ordered to do so. Equally important are the values that can be transmitted by asking questions. If you have to fly to China or some other local office, you do not want to be seen as a U.S. corporate executive coming to deliver some bad news or the costs need to be cut. By asking questions, you can solicit ideas to help solve these problems. This is because by asking questions, it creates the authority 
in people to come up with the ideas coupled with the responsibility for moving things forward. Questions create space for all kinds of ideas, and the sparks come up with those ideas. Most important, the questions they are sending have a very clear message. We're willing to listen, even to ideas or suggestions or problems that we weren't expecting. This is not about being warm or fuzzy. It is about demonstrating curiosity in employees. You should also remember asking questions in the context of 360 degrees of communication. Lewis Sapperman has made clear that this concept is simply more than a two-way up or down approach. It really, demonst- it really demonstrates not only a level of knowledge, but that communication itself is important in, in every other direction in the workplace. People should ask their bosses questions. If employees feel comfortable enough to ask these questions, it allows the CCO to be clear about how things, about things they think are clear, but more importantly, things that they think may not be clear. Finally, if a person asks a question, they most usually listen to the answer. This is because people like to consider, are more likely to consider a piece of advice or flat-out instruction if you've asked in the first place. You you too can use this simple and straightforward technique to improve not only your leadership qualities in the compliance function, but also your organizational compliance functions as well. The reason is that by asking questions, it is much better than simply giving orders, that you have a vastly talented workforce that you can tap into that will help you do business in compliance. But the how of, of doing a business process that is or should be burned into your company can be facilitated by the possibilities that are out there in employees' minds. You just have to find a way to tap into it. 360 degrees of communications allows you to create an atmosphere where no one is afraid to ask a question. Perhaps equally importantly, no one is afraid to answer a question. And if you think about that in the terms of your hotline and or your reporting, if you can just get employees to raise their hands and ask a question, that's a critical function. And finally, for the compliance practitioner, it's one thing to be a subject matter expert, and many compliance practitioners are, but someone has to tap into that subject matter expertise for it to be of use. So if you can get employees to ask you questions, if you can develop a personal relationship with them so that they will ask you questions, it will facilitate the operationalization of your compliance program and actually burn the compliance program into the DNA of your company. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, let's start with the most basic, which is asking questions is a great technique to elicit information. It engages the listener makes them actively participate in the process, but also may make them the owner of that process. And when you can do that at the cost of simply asking a question, I think you've really uh, come on to something. Two, asking questions creates the authority in people to come up with ideas coupled with the responsibility for moving forward. And that can be a very, very powerful tool for you, the responsibility of moving things forward. They have now taken ownership of it and working at it, and you have assigned this to them, and they will probably do their best to make it work. And finally, number three, you must create an atmosphere where no employee is afraid to ask or answer a question. Equally are important in the 360 degrees of communication. Remember, it's not ask, not only ask, but also answer a question. 
This is Paris Fox again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.